0: big church podcast good morning big church how's everybody doing this morning love that thank you all worship team your love is our firm foundation we're going to be getting into that a little bit uh welcome everyone into the building this morning and also everyone watching online uh, we're happy to have you this morning And some of y'all are looking at me like, who is this guy up here on the stage? That's not Pastor Rich. Uh, My name is Tommy. For those of you all who haven't met me, uh, you may have met my beautiful wife, Leanne. Or you may have crossed paths with my crazy two-year-old son, Asa. Uh, I think we have a picture there. There they are. And I think we have one more. There's Asa on his important call on his banana phone. So, um, and so I'll be sharing the message this morning. I may need y'all's help because I don't think I can bring the same kind of energy and intensity that Pastor Rich does every week. Uh, Probably not going to be waving a towel around, sweating, you know, screaming. Uh, So if y'all can help me like you all do every week, can y'all do that this morning? Maybe not the sweating part. I don't know if we need everyone in here sweating, Uh, but yeah, I think we'll be okay. And speaking of Pastor Rich and Pastor Mindy, they're in Florida uh, this week getting some uh, vacation time, probably on the beach right now. And so I want to thank them for this opportunity. Uh, It's an honor and a privilege to speak to you wonderful, amazing people. And uh, let's pray before we get into this. Lord God, we just thank you for this morning, God. We thank you for this time to come and worship you and get into your word. And Lord, we just pray that you would prepare our hearts this morning for your word. Give us ears to hear. Give me a mouth to speak what you want me to speak. And Lord, we just thank you for Pastor Rich and Pastor Mindy. We pray that they get the rest that they need. And uh, we pray that they come back rejuvenated. And ready to do your will, in Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. Amen. All right. So, how have y'all been enjoying the Average Joe series so far? Yeah. I've enjoyed these past couple weeks hearing about Abraham and about uh, about faith, about Isaac, uh, and the the name Joe is actually short for who I'm going to be speaking about, and that's Joseph, and how many of y'all have, uh, well, actually, the the title of my message is From the Pit to the Palace. How many of y'all uh, have heard the story or read the story of Joseph? A lot of, a lot of hands. There's a lot of hands not raised. Uh, and so, I'll actually, I'm not going to be able to do it justice. This is one of my favorite stories in the Bible, and uh, so I, I'm just going to be, recapping and hitting some of the high points and some of the highlights of it, but I want to challenge all of you to read it this week. It's uh, Genesis 37 through 50, if y'all want to write that down. Uh, If you do two chapters a day, you can get through it, no problem. Uh, So go ahead, set a reminder if you have an iPhone, if you have an Android, we'll pray for you. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. I like, I like Android too, um, but yeah, go ahead and set a, put a note for yourself to do that and you won't be disappointed. It will keep you on the edge of your seat. So, uh, like I said, it's one of my favorite stories. I can remember the first time reading it and reading a couple chapters and then like going to work the next day and thinking about the story and like wondering what's going to happen next and like couldn't get home, couldn't wait to get home and get back into it to see what happened. So so many twists and turns to it. So let's jump right in. Uh, Joseph uh, was actually the great-grandson of Abraham. So you had Abraham, Isaac, and then Jacob. And Jacob had 12 sons, Joseph being one of the youngest. And right at the beginning of the story, what we see is Jacob loved Joseph more than all of his other sons. And so his brothers actually hated him for this reason. They hated him because they knew that their father, Jacob, loved him more than, they, than he loved them. And Jacob didn't make things any better because he actually had this custom robe made for Joseph. Uh, the Bible calls it a beautiful robe, and one translation says it's a coat of many colors. And so he's got this flashy robe on, and all it does is remind his brothers of how much they hate him you know, for the reason that they hate him. And uh, so that probably wasn't the best idea for Jacob, or, yeah, for Jacob to give that to him. Um, And so Joseph, he's, we begin the story, he's a 17-year-old kid, he's in this family of shepherds, and we see that Joseph would sometimes bring back a bad report about his brothers to his father, Jacob. So when I first read this, I'm like, oh, okay, so, Joseph was a snitch. Like he's a snitch. No wonder his brothers hate him. He's a snitch. He's always going to his dad, telling him, telling on him, saying what they said and all of that. Uh, and so, like no wonder, right? But we actually see a little bit later in the story that Joseph, Jacob actually told Joseph. He says, "Hey, go out and get, go check on your brothers, check on the flocks, see what's going on, and come back and bring me a report." So Joseph was actually being faithful to his father and doing what his father asked him to do, even though he knew that it wasn't going to be popular from his brothers. So he was being faithful to his father and, I believe, faithful to God. And so a little bit later, we see Joseph has this dream. And just to summarize, the the dream is symbolic of his brothers and his father bowing down before him. And so, probably, maybe not the best idea, but Joseph's all excited about this dream. And so, he goes to his brothers, and he says, hey, listen to this dream, and tells them all about it, and it says that they hate him all the more for this dream and the way he talks about it. And then, he, he again tells them about it. He tells his father also, and it says that Jacob actually scolds him for the dream. He says, what do you, what do you think we're all going to be you're going to be our king and we're all going to bow down to you. And so the one person that he, that really loves him that we see in the story, scolds him for this dream that he has. And so my first point is, let God's word be first in your life or always put God first. Because, you know, Joseph had to like, he had to have some discouragement there, but he, had, he was excited about God's word, and then he gets shut down by his family. So, he had to uh, put his trust and faith in what God was speaking to him. And so, I can relate to this a little bit. Uh, back in 2014, me and Leanne, we felt like God was leading us to move across the country and go to Colorado, and for me to go to Bible college there. And we had to Uh, get our house prepared to sell. We had to sell most of our things. We had to quit our jobs. And so we had to tell all of our friends and family about our plans, what we were doing. And we got quite a bit of negative responses from people. A lot of people saying, well, why are you doing this? Why are you going across the country? We don't want you to do that. You know, even people saying things like, you know, why would you go all the way out there to go to Bible college? There's Bible colleges here. And you know, I had to my response and I had to go back to what God said and I had to remind myself and say, well, God called me to go to that Bible college. He called me to go out there. So I had to put his word first in my life and we had to do that and it wasn't easy. Uh, So back to the story. Uh, Joseph, one day Jacob tells him, he says, hey, go out, check on your brothers, go see what's going on, check on the, the flock and come back to me, let me know what, what, give me a report. And so he puts his robe on. He heads out into the field. He's looking for his brothers, has to go out and find them. And he's, you know, he's strutting out into the field with this swaggy coat. (laughs) And his brothers see him from afar off. And, you know, they're just angry at the sight of him. And it says they start to conspire against him and they end up deciding to kill him. They're like, let's kill this dreamer. Let's kill him. We'll throw him in the pit. We'll see what comes of his dreams then. And so they decide to do this. They argue a little bit and then they're they're like, well, let's not, we'll just throw him in this pit and he'll just die in the pit. And uh, so Joseph comes up. That's what they decide to do. They rip his robe off of him. They throw him into this pit and Joseph's down in this pit screaming for his life. And it's kind of weird, but they, the Bible says they sit down to have a meal right there where as Joseph's screaming in the background, they're just sitting there having this meal. And they see these traders, like a caravan of camels and traders like coming their way and they're going to pass by them. And so they, they start to talk and they decide, well, let's, let's not let him die in this pit. Let's pull him out. We'll sell him to these traders and, you know, he'll probably die as a slave out somewhere. And so... They decide to do that, they pull him out, they sell him to the traders, they take his robe, they kill an animal, they put the blood on the robe they take it back to Jacob, their father, and they say, look, we found this robe. Jacob is, you know, beside himself and thinks that Joseph has been killed by a wild animal or something. And so it says that he mourns greatly and no one can comfort him. Meanwhile, Joseph uh, gets sold in Egypt and I'm going to jump into the the story here in the Bible it's Genesis 39 and I'm going to read verses 2 and 3 it says the Lord was with Joseph so he succeeded in everything he did as he served in the home of his Egyptian master Potiphar and it says Potiphar noticed this and realized that the Lord was with Joseph giving him success in everything he did so Potiphar was, uh, the Bible calls him a cap- the captain of the guard for Pharaoh, or he was just a high ranking official. And this brings me to my next point, which is relationship with God produces fruit. And when I say fruit, what I'm talking about is like the evidence on the outside of what's, what's on the inside of you. You know, if, When you see a tree, like an apple tree, you see the apples, obviously you know that that's an apple tree. You see the evidence on the outside. And so, you know, us as followers of Christ should have some evidence. You should see some evidence on the outside and know. And in this case, Potiphar sees. He knows that the Lord is with Joseph. And he also sees that he's prospering in everything that he does. And, you know, one barometer you can have for yourself, and I've asked myself this sometimes, is... If you were arrested for being a Christian, would they have enough evidence to convict you? And, you know, this is not to be condemning, towards you because the, the point is relationship with God is what produces the fruit. You know, you don't see an apple tree out there straining and trying to produce fruit, right? It just comes naturally because that's what it is. So the, the way we produce fruit is just our relationship with God. And as you grow in your relationship with God, you will begin to see fruit coming up on the outside. And so the story takes a little bit of of a turn, and it turns into an episode of Desperate Housewives as Mrs. Potiphar tries to get a little action going on with Joseph. The Bible says that he was a handsome young man, and so She tries to, the Bible says she tries day after day to get Joseph to come to bed with her. And Joseph, it says Joseph refuses over and over. He says, how can I commit this great sin against God? So it would have been a sin against Potiphar. It would have been a sin, you know, against, you know, even uh, his wife. But Joseph was most worried about his relationship with God and offending God. And so, one day, she, she really comes on strong. She tries to, uh, tries to grab him and pull him to her. He takes off running. She pulls the robe off of him, and he is running out of the house, probably with just his under, undergarments on. So, uh, and so, she, all frustrated, basically accuses him of rape and tells her servants that he tried to rape her and uh, tells Potiphar, so Joseph gets thrown into prison for something that he did not do. And he probably was a little bit discouraged at this point. Might have been thinking that, you know, this dream that he had, maybe this wasn't from God. Maybe I just had, you know, maybe I ate some bad pizza the night before or something, and you know, you know, it was kind of weird anyway, so maybe it wasn't God. We pick up in verse 21 and 23. Says the Lord was with Joseph. Says the Lord was with Joseph in prison and showed him his faithful love. And the Lord made Joseph a favorite with the prison warden. Before long, the warden put Joseph in charge of all the other prisoners and over everything that happened in the prison. The warden had no more worries because Joseph took care of everything. The Lord was with him and caused everything he did to succeed. So my next point is God's love is there when we most need it. Joseph had to be discouraged after, you know, it seems like he's getting further and further away from what God called him to, but he has his relationship with God and he goes back to God and God shows him his faithful love when he needs it. And so a little bit of time passes as he's in the prison and there's this uh, cupbearer and baker to the pharaoh. And they do something to offend pharaoh. And the Bible says that pharaoh throws them into the prison. They're actually in the area where Joseph is, and where he's in charge over. And Joseph, one day, he comes to them. And he, they look really, like, distressed about something. So he's like, hey, what's going on? And they, uh, they say that they had these dreams. They both had a different dream. And... They know that there's a meaning to the dream, but they they don't know what it means, so they're they're worried about. It. So Joseph says, "Well, it's God's business to interpret dreams. So tell me the dream." So he has faith, and uh, and so the cupbearer tells him his dream, and Joseph says, "Okay," he says, there, "There's going to be three de- in three days, you're going to be restored to your position with Pharaoh." And so the baker. He's sitting back, and he's like, okay. He's like, that's, that's a good interpretation. He was a little worried about his dream at first, but now he's like, okay. I see it's, it's okay. I'm going to tell him my dream. See, I'm going to get a good, good interpretation too, right? And so in Genesis 40, 19, it says, here's Joseph interpreting the baker's dream. It says, three days from now, Pharaoh will lift you up and impale your body on a pole then the birds will come and peck away at your flesh. I don't think that's what the baker was hoping to hear. And Joseph didn't sugarcoat it at all. He just said it like it was. He just said, you know, here you go. So, uh, But one other thing Joseph told, he told the cupbearer, he said, when you get restored to your position, he said, remember me, I'm in here wrongfully accused, So remember me and put in a good word with Pharaoh. And so everything happened exactly as Joseph said. Three days passed, cupbearer was restored, and the baker was put to death. And then, uh, so Joseph's probably sitting in the prison waiting. He's like, all right, any moment they're going to come in, they're going to pull me out of here. But guess what? The cupbearer forgot about Joseph. And so he's still there in the prison. And so this had to be another point of discouragement for Joseph. But just to point out, like every step of the way, Joseph just took whatever moment he was in, whatever opportunity he had in front of him, and he was faithful to God and faithful with that opportunity. And he even though facing discouragement, he was still faithful. And you know, even with his father going out and getting the getting the report when it wasn't popular. He was being faithful with Potiphar, he was being faithful. Like he, his focus, I believe, is on his relationship with God and just seizing whatever opportunity God opened up for him. Again, I can resonate with the story here, because when we moved out to Colorado, we had this great plan of we were gonna be there for two years. There was, uh, the, the Bible college had a program where you could graduate in two years. So it's like, okay, we're gonna move out here we're gonna pay for school, get finished up, and then we'll move back, back to Kentucky and get back to where we were. And two years pass, and guess how many classes I had finished? <laughs> My wife has given the answer away. <laughs> zero. I had finished zero classes while in Colorado. So you could you could buy like one class at a time, or you could buy chunks of classes, and. Things weren't going too great uh, with the job, financially, we just, we had enough to get by, but there was not enough, there was no extra really to buy classes. And so we were pretty discouraged. You know, we were, I'm thinking like, okay, God, did you call us out here to, you know, just fail and then move back and then all the people that said it was a bad idea, I had to face them and, and they have to tell me, told you so. Um, and so we were pretty discouraged and so, we uh, went to God, prayed about it, like, okay, God, what are we supposed to do? What's going on? Why is this not working? And he gave us some instruction and basically gave us the next step, which was, okay, as soon as you get enough for that first class, buy it. Step out in faith and buy it. Even, even when you don't feel like you're going to have the money for something else, buy it. And he said, don't uh, also continue to be faithful in giving to me and don't, don't. Fall back in that so that's what we did bought the first class all of a sudden it was like financial breakthrough after breakthrough that all of a sudden the job situation worked out better and I was able to buy <laughs> class after class and two years from then I'd finished the two-year program God actually uh, led us to stay another year and, and do another program there so we, we were able to finish it all up by stepping out in faith and trusting God. So Joseph, back to the story, Joseph actually stays in prison two more years uh, after he interpreted the dreams. And then one day, Pharaoh has a dream. And Pharaoh has this dream, and he knows that it's a very important dream, and he knows that uh, he needs to know the interpretation, so he calls all the wise men uh, in the land of Egypt, and the magicians, all the people in the in the land, he tells them to come to him. He tells them the dream. Nobody can interpret this dream, so he's even more stressed out, more worried. And all of a sudden, you know who, Mr. Cupbearer, his memory starts coming back. He's like, man, that was this one time I had a dream, and he's like, there's this, there was this guy. What was his name? It's like Jim, Jerry. No, it wasn't it. Joseph, that was his name Joseph. So he tells the Pharaoh about it and he says, you know, there was this guy, this Hebrew kid in the prison and uh, you know, he says that he interpreted mine in the Baker's dream and it happened exactly the way he said it would happen. Pharaoh gets all excited, sends for Joseph, so Joseph gets pulled out of the prison to Pharaoh. And so uh, my next point is, or actually I'm going to jump into the verse here uh, Genesis 41 verse 15 through 16 it says then Pharaoh said to Joseph I had a dream last night and no one here can tell me what it means but I have I have heard that when you hear about a dream you can interpret it it is beyond my power to do this Joseph said but God can tell you what it means and set you at ease so my next point is relationship with God gives boldness and faith for the impossible you have you have to think about this Joseph knew what happened to the baker he knew cuz Pharaoh told him nobody can interpret this dream nobody in the land of Egypt can interpret this dream nobody can do this and so Joseph is his last hope to interpret this dream and he's also a Hebrew who the Egyptians despised he's uh He's a shepherd, which the Egyptians despised, and also he's a prisoner, so he's just coming out of this prison. So if he gets this wrong, he probably knows he's dying, but yeah, he steps up in faith, and what it seems like here is that he had faith and he just said, God can do this and he's gonna put you at ease. And so he interprets the dream, and basically it's there's gonna be seven good years in the land and you're gonna have everything you need, the ground's gonna produce, you're gonna have plenty of grain, and then there's gonna be seven bad years, seven years of famine, and all the, the what's left of the good years is gonna be used up, and people, many people will starve, but he says, I'm give, he gives the solution after he gives an interpretation, and he says that put somebody in charge over all of this, he says during the, the seven good years, store up a fifth of everything, all the grain and everything, and put it in storehouses. So uh, he tells them to put somebody in charge to do this. So I'm gonna pick up Genesis 41, 37 through 39, says Joseph's suggestions were well received by Pharaoh and his officials. So Pharaoh asked his officials, he said, can we find anyone else like this man so obviously filled with the Spirit of God? Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has revealed the meaning of the dreams to you, clearly no one else is as intelligent or wise as you are. And so he puts Joseph, he says, you're the guy, you're the one I want to put in charge. So now we see Joseph going from the pit to the prison and then finally to the palace. So the seven years of uh, of plenty come, come to pass. They store it up. Joseph does exactly as God instructs him to do. They store up all this grain, and then the famine hits. And the famine is great. The, the Bible says it affects all the countries around Egypt. And so it also affected Canaan, where his family is, where Jacob and his brothers and all of their families are. And so Jacob hears that there's grain in Egypt. So he sends his sons, he says, Hey, go to Egypt and uh, get us some grain so that we don't starve to death. And so in Genesis 42, verse 6, it says, Joseph was governor over all Egypt and in charge of selling the grain to all the people. It was to him that his brothers came. When they arrived, they bowed before him with their faces to the ground. So Joseph knew that it was his brothers when he saw them, but they didn't know it was him. And, you know, if this was a Hollywood movie, like he probably would have took them and tortured them or like threw them in their own pits and like just had some fun with it, you know, before he killed them or whatever. Uh, But that's not what we see happen in the story. Uh, When Joseph, he he hid his identity from, from them at first, and when he finally revealed himself, it says, he kissed each one of them, and he wept over all of them. Like, he just wept for them. That brings me to my last point, which is, because we receive God's love, he's able to love through us. And we just sang a little bit about this earlier, and I think, you know, Joseph in himself, he probably, if, if he didn't have that relationship with God and wasn't trusting God, he probably would have been you know, wanting revenge and wanting to avenge what they did to him. But instead, you know, he, he has God's love working through him and he's just overcome with love and emotion towards his brothers. And it says that he had to like reassure his brothers because they kept thinking that he's gonna take revenge on them, that he's gonna, he's gonna try to kill them. But he had to reassure them and it said, he said to them, he said, you intended to harm me but God made a way for me to save many lives. Because you think about, he, he, he did, he, like what he ended up doing was he sent his brothers back with some grain and he, t- and he made provisions for all of them to come and, and make their way to Egypt where he had a whole land set up for them where they had plenty to eat, they had plenty for all of their families and everything that they needed. And Joseph didn't just save his brothers and his family's lives he saved the whole land of Egypt and all the countries around that had to come for grain it was there where it wouldn't have been but Joseph was uh, faithful and with God and able to carry out what God wanted him to do and so just a quick recap and just to, to, to think here Joseph was 17 years old when he got the dream and it was 20 years before he actually saw his, son, his brothers bow down before him. He saw the dream come to pass. So it wasn't really from the pit to the palace, as we talked about. He, there was so many points in between. And if he had went from the pit to the palace, I don't think he would have had the faith or the trust in God or the relationship with God to be able to do what God called him to do. And so this is encouraging for me And I've put this in practice in my life and, you know, because sometimes, you know, especially in our culture, we're ready to jump into whatever God's called us to do. And we really just have to be faithful and trust the process and allow God to teach us and show us whatever we need to do in the time that we have and take whatever opportunity he has for us. And Joseph is really a picture of Christ in that he, uh, you know gave his life he he did what he had to do to save so many people and so god god sent jesus to die on the cross for our sins but you know he didn't just want to forgive us joseph didn't just forgive his brothers he provided for everything that they needed and all of their families god doesn't just want to forgive us he doesn't just want you know to forgive us and we go to heaven and we're with him you know he wants a relationship with us he wants to impact our lives. He wants to show us his faithful love, and he wants to not only impact us, but he wants to impact all of those around us. He wants to impact our families and our coworkers and all the people around us. He wants to reach everyone. And so I want to I read this verse. Y'all probably heard this a lot, uh, Jeremiah 29, 11, but you may not have heard the verses after it. I think it applies here. It's, uh, for I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. In those days, when you pray, I will listen. If you look for me wholeheartedly, you will find me. I will be found by you, says the Lord. I think that's God's heart, you know, I think we get it messed up sometimes, and we're all about like just trying to, to do things, but God just wants a relationship with every one of us. He wants to show us his love. Uh, please stand up as we close. Maybe you're here this morning, and you just don't even know what God's calling you to do. You don't know what's next, you don't know the next steps, and you know you just need direction and clarity from God Or maybe you do know what God's calling you to do uh, and you feel like you're just in a pit right now. You're in a prison and you just feel discouraged and you just need a touch from God. You just need to feel his love for you right now. Or maybe you are just wanting to start that relationship with God. Maybe you haven't, haven't met God yet. You haven't given your life to him and you just want to have that relationship. You want to feel that love. We want to we pray with you. We're going to have the, the prayer team up here by the altar on the sides. I'm going to be up here uh, as well to pray. Or maybe you just have some questions, whatever it is. We want to connect with you guys and either pray for you or, or answer any questions you might have. And let's just pray as we close. Lord God, I thank you for this morning and this time just to get into your word and... We thank you for this story and all the the lessons that you have in it for us. And God, we just want to to feel your love this morning. Uh, We want to go deeper in our relationship with you. And God, we want you to be able to make an impact through our lives. And Lord, we just thank you for it. Lord, let this word sink in with us this week. And Lord, we give you all the glory and praise. In Jesus' name, amen.